Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today, live via Skype, is Carl Garcia. Hello. Carl is a lifesaver. If you are a weekly uh, podcast listener, if you listen to the Smug Film Podcast every week, then this week you have this podcast simply because of Carl, because Carl saved the day. Thank you, Carl. Give me all your Patreon donations. Take them out of Cody's Patreon and just PayPal them to me. Well, we should just start a Carl Garcia Patreon just for uh, love of him saving the day, because what happened, I'll explain briefly... Greg DeLiso was supposed to be a one-on-one with him. His power went out 20 minutes before we were supposed to record, and apparently it's all out in, like, you know, 1,300 homes in, like, his neighborhood. He lives in Detroit. It's this whole big deal. And so no no Greg, and there was almost not going to be an episode this week. But uh, I, you know, shot something out to Carl. Carl was like, yo, I'm down. I'll do it with 20 minutes notice. I don't care. And yeah. so now it's uh now it's the Carl and Cody show. Rest in peace, Greg. Yeah, man. I can only I think, assume I think he, that's the purge. That I, was the purge. Yeah, I can only assume he perished in the uh, the aftermath of the uh, electrical outage because that's how it starts with all those uh, movies, you know. I actually just saw a movie recently about uh you know the power going out and people going a little nuts. So did you ever see the Trigger Effect? No. It's a David Kep stri- uh, script, not strip. It's not a comic like, strip. It's a like script. Jurassic Park, David Kep. Yes. Cool. He cool. Uh, wrote it and directed it, and it was. Uh, it, it's like one of those movies where I can understand entirely why it didn't do well, but there's something in it that's done right, and it's worth seeing just for that. Okay. Like, how old it, is it? Uh, it's from '96. It's got Kyle MacLachlan's the oh. lead. Oh, okay. And Elizabeth Shue's his wife. I'm here. And you I'm got here. you got Dermot Mulrooney coming in, being all Dermot Mulrooney-ish. And you got Michael Rooker. Oh, hell yeah. Michael Rooker, always good. And the bad thing about it is it's kind of got that like uh, crash, and I don't mean the Cronenberg crash vibe to it, mm-hmm. where it's like you see all these people and they're interacting and it's like, oh, but they have these prejudices and uh, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> I, I can't stand that stuff. Uh, it's done better here than it's done in Crash by like a wide margin, but it does kind of like bog the film down. But there's some really good stuff in the film, and it's like 
it's interesting to see a power outage movie go in the directions that it does go. I don't want to give away where it does go because it's kind of one of those movies where like the whole thrill of it is not knowing what it's going to turn into. Like it could turn into a sci-fi, it could turn into a horror, it could just turn into like a character drama. Like you don't really know. And that's like a really nice allure of it, I think. And uh, I like David Kep. I think he, uh, you know, he's kind of hit or miss. But I remember I liked uh, Ghost Town a lot that he did. I didn't hate the War of the Worlds remake. A lot of people did. I didn't hate that one. I didn't care for it. Like, I, I kind of get why other people like it, but it just, like, didn't work for me. He did the screenplay for Zathura, which I thought was really good. Did you ever oh, see man. that one? No, I always thought that looked kind of cool. It's just space Jumanji, right? Yeah, but people say that and they they forget that like that sounds like the greatest thing ever. Like yeah. they say it casually. No, like, They're like, oh, it's just space Jumanji. But for me, I'm like, oh my God, it's space yeah, Jumanji. That's a great exactly. idea. Put Jumanji in space. Perfect. It's it's, it's much better than Jumanji, uh, Zathura. I really like that one a lot. And it's got a lot of practical effects. It's a good movie. Oh, and he wrote Snake Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is fun. Uh, Mission Impossible, the uh, yeah. Brian De Palma, Carlitos White. See, I like David Kep. Now I'm realizing like he's not as hit or miss as I thought he was. Yeah. He wrote well, Stir, seen, uh, Stir of Echoes. I haven't seen that. What's the one you were going to say? Mordecai. Mm. <laughs> he just had to throw that fucking wrench into my whole thing. Yeah. Oh, no, man. That's, that's the real miss there. Oh, man. And he directed it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's so weird. It's like it's like it's trying to do one of those like goofy, campy, swinging sex comedies from the 60s. But like it's maybe a tenth as raunchy. Right. Like I can think of there's one. What's it called? What a way to go from the 60s with Shirley MacLaine. And in that movie, she plays a child version of herself. Like she's running around like it's a flashback, but she's playing her own child mm. version. Um, so she's running around in like a skirt with pigtails. And then she like, you know, reaches up her dress and pulls a giant lollipop out of her cooch and starts licking it. That's quite bizarre. Yeah. I mean, no, I could like, roll with that in the right circumstance. I think Robert that could be Mitchum, done well. Oh, Mitchum. Okay. Yeah, Mitchum's in that movie. It's the whole thing is that she wants true love and every dude she gets married to gets incredibly wealthy for one reason or another and then dies and she takes the inheritance. So she just keeps getting richer and richer, but like never finding the right guy. That sounds like a really good, like unreliable narrator type thing. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's uh, and then her husbands are like Dick Van Dyke, Paul Newman, Mitchum. Um, I can't remember who else. Weird. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Mitchum dies because he is in love with a cow on his farm named Bessie. Weird. That's actually that reminds yeah. me of uh, there's this uh, Esterhaus script. That uh, was always like this thing that was like going around that like Spielberg was going to do it at some point. A couple other guys were going to do it at some point. It became like this uh, like legendary script in Hollywood. I think it was called Sacred Cows, where it's about a politician who has like romantic, like sexual love with like a cow. (laughs) And it it gets like so Esther House. Yeah. And it gets uh, found out. And like it becomes this like whole big like scandal, but he like embraces it, and then like the the people are like behind him. It's like this big like political satire. 
but it was this like beloved script and apparently it's like really really well written uh i mean spielberg adored it a lot of people adored it but everybody would always chicken out like right when like you know push came to <laughs> shove to actually do the thing everyone be like oh man i can't i can't do a movie about a guy who has romantic sexual love with a cow i can't do it <laughs> but it became this, be it became this thing script. yeah like i can't imagine that sustaining an entire movie <laughs> but it does sound like one of those like weird 90s mm-hmm. movies that like you would hear about and 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 then like uh like what was that wasn't there that movie about like the cow and the guy like if it was gonna yeah. come out it would have to be like mid 90s yeah nobody's gonna finance that now <laughs> yeah so it. i mean it's been sitting on the shelf for 20 years it's never gonna get picked up i'm sure but uh yeah that jogged my memory of that so what's the name of that movie again I believe it's what a way to go. Let me double check that. Oh yeah, and Mitchum dies because he goes to milk his beloved cow Bessie, and he's like, you know, there's like this big close up of him like patting her side and like grabbing at her other, just like, oh Bessie, ah, oh, I love you, Bessie, and then like the cow roars like a bull, and he's like, oh Bernard, and he gets kicked out of the barn and dies because he was jerking a bull off. Ah, pretty great. You know, a very popular death, actually. Yes. Way more people uh, per month than than you would think. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's that sounds like a very, very bizarre movie. I kind of have to check that out now. Yeah, it is indeed what a way to go. Yeah, what a way to go. And so we actually, we both saw a movie uh, in theaters separately. Him in his theater, me in my theater. The country. Yeah, and uh, that was a great movie that I would love to talk to you about, which is Love and Friendship. Hell yeah. Which I've been fucking begging people to go check out. Uh, I think uh, Myra Gates really dug it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other people really dug it on, on film Twitter. And you loved it, and I loved it. And God damn, that is a good movie. It's delightful. It's a Witt Stillman film who I adore. The only one I don't like of his is Damsels in Distress, but that's like the one where like people are like, all right, yeah, I can get why you didn't like that one. Like even with Stillman Diehards, that's kind of a divisive one. But I haven't seen any of his older stuff. I've only seen this in Damsels in Distress. Oh man, you poor soul. Yeah, I know. I gotta get to it. Dude, Barcelona, Last Days of Disco, Metropolitan, flawless like uh, trilogy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was known as the Witt Stillman trilogy because it was a it was a while between uh, Last Days of Disco and Damsels in Distress. So it was like, all right, well, that's just the trilogy of Witt Stillman stuff. But now, of course, there are five films. And yeah. Love and Friendship is him back in perfect form, like, fuck damsels. He learned whatever lessons <laughs> he needed to learn doing that. He's back with Kate Beckinsale. He's back with Chloe Sevigny or Savigny. I never know. Do you ever know? I think it's seven ye. I think you split the difference there. But <laughs> I'm not sure myself. I did, didn't I? I went, I went in both directions with that pronunciation, and it probably is somewhat in the middle. And uh, she's tremendous. Kate Beckett sales tremendous. They're like his his crew. Like uh, they they deliver his dialogue so well. Kate Beckinsale in particular. Holy shit! Yeah. I mean, I want I want there to be like an Oscar nomination, a Golden Globe nomination, something. I thought she was tremendous. And Tom Bennett, who's this guy who I haven't really seen before. He's my favorite. He was, he I think he's, he's everybody's favorite. He played this guy, uh, Sir James Martin. And Tom Bennett 
He's like this guy. He's done like a lot of uh, English television. And I guess the best way I could describe his vibe is he had kind of like a Ricky Gervais vibe in the film. But I I mean, that's not giving him enough credit because he, he had his own distinct vibe. It's just the only yeah. thing I can use to like relate to it to so that people understand, uh, I guess, what I mean. But man, was he good. Yeah, he stole the show. <laughs> and appar- apparently he's in uh, the new Ricky Gervais movie, the David Brent Life on the Road mockumentary thing. Oh, God. Which I I'm, didn't know that was coming out. That could yeah. be pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Apparently in August it comes out. But I love the idea that, like, I guess they know each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess they'll be in some scenes together. I think that could be pretty funny. He's got, like, second billing on uh, IMDb after Ricky Gervais. I'm looking at it now. And that's... Uh, yes. That's pretty good. Hopefully uh, they have a lot of stuff together because this guy, um, it's like one of those things where you just see this guy and you're like, all right, now I'm going to see this guy in everything from now on because everybody who casts anything who watches uh, Love and Friendship is just going to put him in stuff because he's he's just tremendous. I was also a really big fan of that. Um, I got to look her up. Jen Murray, who was the hysterical wife who had that basically one big scene that was great. And yeah. then she's just popping up some more in the end. She's fantastic, too. She, like, just basically took command of that entire section. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that really resonated with me most with, about this film, it's basically just, like, a single mother's story and, mm-hmm. like, a single mother trying to get along and do what's best for a kid's story. And it's kind of, like, essentially timeless. I mean, yeah. it's one of those movies where, like, if you don't pick up on all the relationships to all the people, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's based on a Jane Austen novella called uh, Lady Susan. And uh, it's, you know, you don't have to be that into Jane Austen. You don't have to follow, you know, who's whose cousin, who's whose like uh, relation, blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of like, even if you just like get carried through it without paying attention to any of that stuff, you're going to get the whole film. Plus, you have a bunch of scenes where she and uh, Chloe Seven you go like over the previous scene from like her perspective, right? Which yeah. I love. I love that the uh, device. I thought that was brilliant because you see these things unfold, but then you hear her take on it afterward. Her uh, like her master plan. <laughs> yeah, it's it yeah. was it's wonderful, uh, and I thought it was gorgeous to look at too. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in theaters in a while. Just yeah, no, it was visually because it, like it just very smartly takes advantage of like all those old English villas they're shooting at and like doesn't really try to gussy it up beyond what's already there, which I thought was really awesome. Yeah. And a lot of natural light looking stuff and yeah, yeah, just great use of space and tons and tons of characters. But like I said, if you don't follow everything, that's OK. You know, you, you're still carried by essentially these two characters and, you know, you'll have there, there is a handrail for you as you go through it, even if it gets a little confusing. Like, I, I don't even remember the relationships between all the characters. And yeah, all I that. couldn't tell you them right now. <laughs> but just the, the energy of the film and it's it's fucking funny as hell. Like every scene is essentially funny. There's like something funny in every scene. I think it's it's just a great way to spend uh, 92 minutes, apparently. Hell yeah, man. And that was why I saw it, because I was like, oh, I can uh, I can maybe double feature the lobster with something because mm. it's more Jones about seeing the lobster. And I ended up liking this a little bit better. Um, Whenever I see a movie's like, like 90 minutes, I get so fucking excited, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a treat when it's 70 or 80. That's like, oh, man, is it my birthday? 
Like I, I love that more than anything, but 92 or something, man, that's, I mean, Mm. that's rare these days. Such an unappreciated, I don't get why like 80 is still considered like the embarrassing low budget runtime. No, it's still, it's amazing. Uh, It means you can watch two movies that night. It's wonderful. And, uh, I mean, I was so excited for Warcraft. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but I was I was getting real excited about Warcraft simply mm-hmm. because I went on Rotten Tomatoes and I looked it up and it said it was an hour and 40 minutes and it had like a 20 percent. Oh, that is interesting. It had like a 20 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So in my like Cody logic, what I like mind, I was thinking, all right, really low tomato meter rating. Plus an hour and 40 minutes equals this will probably be my favorite movie I've ever seen in my life. But apparently fucking Rotten Tomatoes is so fucking shitty with its uh, information. It's not an hour and 40 minutes. It's like close to two and a half hours, but they put in the wrong fucking runtime. I was going to pay money to see that movie. (laughs) I mean, how disastrous would that have been? I sit down and an hour 40 goes by and I'm still sitting and I'm still sit. I'm still sitting for another fifty minutes. I would have been furious. Fucking Rotten Tomatoes never use it for run times. Apparently, unbeknownst it's to me, all wrong. All wrong. But you Did know, you see, uh, from last year, just like low rating hour forty movie you might enjoy, Seventh Son. No, it's not. Uh, it's not very good. But like the good things in it are really fun to watch. I'm pulling it um, up. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it was shelved yeah. for like two years, like hmm. two straight years. It just sat on a shelf. Thirteen um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's yeah. what. That's definitely up my alley. <laughs> and, and Kit Harrington, apparently. Oh, I do remember this kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kit Harrington dies within the first ten minutes because it was shelved for so long that he wasn't even a star yet. So <laughs> wow. They didn't, yeah. Otherwise, they would have totally put him in the lead. Oh my God! Um, yeah. Yeah. But Julianne Moore is like an evil witch. Jeff Bridges is just like this goofy ass old wizard who's just doing like the like a nth degree Jeff Bridges impersonation. He's an ogre pal who follows him around. I'm making it sound way better than it is, but like those are the good parts that are actually fun to watch. And so not like, actually so good. Yeah, there's like a there's like a fair amount of franchise bullshit that's not interesting. But mm. like it's it's an hour forty and there's some fun shit in it. So yeah. Well, you've been watching some uh, fantasy stuff lately. I saw you were watching Gods of Egypt on uh, <laughs> Twitter. I saw your little... That you always post little screenshots and stuff along the way. It's always oh, fun yeah. to go through, man. I love looking at that stuff. But uh, that was that was not a good one, huh? Oh, no. No. I was hoping it would be because I like kind of wanted this... Like, I thought the monsters looked cool in the trailers. They I did, yeah. I, I tried it, uh, you know, not too long ago. And I could not make it through it. I just couldn't do it, man. It is two hours and seven minutes. And it feels like three hours and seven minutes, oh, I'm Christ. sure. Because yeah. I only watched 15 minutes of it, and I felt like I watched 40 minutes of it. Oh, yeah. The the weird stuff with scale that it does, too. Ah, oh, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the size of the characters. Tell tell the listeners at home yeah, about that. So that's that's intense. The thing is that like, the gods in the movie are not only like bigger than everybody and they also bleed gold, but then they have them walking around with humans and the humans are like hobbit-sized. And like, I am going to have to rewatch Lord of the Rings to see how Peter Jackson made it not look stupid because it looks so <laughs> stupid here. Yeah. Like, 
like they're given like uh, Jamie Lannister a massage, just like these two normal sized people, and it, they just look like those little twins from Mothra. It's <laughs> real surreal. Um, there's a I put it, it's on my Twitter, but there's a shot where giant Gerard Butler hands a regular sized human a cup, and yes. it is. I did see that. Not sure what degree it was supposed to be funny, if it was supposed to be funny, but I could not look at it without losing my shit. It's so stupid looking. Yeah. So how did the monsters end up looking when you saw the actual Uh, film? You know, the monsters were okay. Like there were those two giant snakes that were pretty cool. Um, There's a giant space worm that's really cool. And like Jeffrey Rush sets himself on fire and battles it. Oh, wow. Said monsters don't do a whole lot of shit. Like, the action scenes are just not well designed. Um, one of the snakes has a cool death. I'll give it that. But, like, that giant space worm eventually comes down to Earth, and he just fucking sits there and drinks a river. Oh, damn. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really convinced that they, like, did principal photography on that movie before they had settled on, like, the layout of the CGI sequences. Because... There are a lot of one-liners that don't really correspond very well to what you're seeing on the screen. Hmm. So a lot of a mid-action scene, too. So it's like, oh, now you've made her angry. And it's like they are deep into a chase, and nothing has really changed in that chase to like prompt anyone to say, now you've made her angry, and yet they say it. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's just shit like that. It just feels like that they had a very loose idea of what the CGI would be and then retooled a lot of it. Um, hmm. There's a scene where they wake up and they're in the ruins of this like garden oasis. And one of the guys is like, couldn't you have picked a less ugly place for us to sleep? And like behind him, it's just like these beautiful ruins. Like it doesn't hmm. make, yeah, shit like that. Yeah. That doesn't sound too good to me. No, it sucks. So uh, that's, that's one definitely to skip, but you're saying I should give uh, seventh son a little bit of a try. I think it's worth a watch. Um, in, in terms of like all these like shitty February fantasy movies that like probably shouldn't be written off right away, Hercules is probably the best of those that I've seen. Well, and, that's like, yeah, that's the one yeah. that I I championed. I think before anybody else. Yeah, um, I think I watched it because of you. Yeah, a lot of people have, and uh, I'm always hearing good verdicts. I think John D'Amico is the only one who really didn't <laughs> the hold out. He he is the holdout to the point where I think he thought that everybody was just gaslighting him. <laughs> but people really genuinely enjoy that film and it's it's certainly worth genuinely enjoying there's a lot of yeah. really good stuff that it does so if you're listening at home and you it, you want something a little cheesy but also you know pretty damn respectable hercules is a, is a definite go-to i've said it a million times before but i'm sure i'll say it in a million more episodes but damn i i really like that one yeah, it's like exactly the type of movie Brett Ratner should be making. Mm. It's just, you know, it's kind of like fluffy, but like there's still some intelligence to it. Like it's very tongue in cheek about all the mythology, which I think is fucking great. The essential premise is it's an agnostic sword and sandal movie. So you got Hercules, who isn't really quite sure if his origin story is just some bullshit people were telling him or if it's real. And nobody really knows if like the gods exist or not which I just love as like a, a starting off point. And it just opens so many doors uh, dramatically in this like mm-hmm. essentially a cheesy action movie. It just keeps it really interesting because yeah. you're like, you're constantly waiting. You're like, all right, 
They're going to do like the third act turnaround where, oh, it's the gods all along. The gods are going to come in and save the day. But no, it doesn't really take that safe nope. route. It yeah. stays really consistently agnostic the whole way through, which I thought was just wonderful and just refreshing. Gods of Egypt is also a fascinating counterexample to that because it tries to do the same kind of like tongue in cheek about the gods kind of thing. But like, A, they are real gods and they're deeply revered by everybody, including themselves. And then as a result, that tongue in cheekiness like is only present in all the sparmy dialogue. So it's just in like sharp contrast to like how everybody's actually treating the characters in the movie. Mm. It's yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, definitely one to avoid. And uh Hercules, definitely, definitely one to see. Please, people at home, great track record with turning people onto this. People, people yeah. have really dug it. And uh, we're going to be back after a quick break. We'll be right back. See you soon. And now, Smug Film presents Robot Reenactments. Look, kid, I, how much you weigh, son? When you weighed 168 pounds, you were beautiful. You could have been another Billy Khan, and that skunk we got you for a manager, he brought you along too fast. It wasn't him, Charlie, it was you. Remember that night in the garden you came down to my dressing room and you said, Kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Wilson. You remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart. So what happens? He gets the title shot outdoors on the ballpark and what do I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. You was my brother, Charlie. You shoulda looked out for me a little bit. You shoulda taken care of me just a little bit so I wouldn't have to take them dives for the short end money. Oh I had some bets down for you. You saw some money. You don't understand. I coulda had class. I coulda been a contender. I coulda been somebody, instead of the bomb, which is what I am, let's face it. It was you, Charlie. This has been a robot reenactment. Now, back to the show. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number 718 395 9711. Once again, that's 718 395 9711. We look forward to hearing from you. You lovely, lovely people. All right. Welcome back to the Smug Film Podcast. Thank you for uh, continuing listening to the episode. I never I never do that. I never thank the people after the break. I probably should do that, right, Carl? No. No? Fuck them. Fuck them. You know what? Fuck them. Fuck you for keeping on listening. No, that sure. doesn't feel yeah. right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It didn't sound like me, you know? It sounds more like me to thank them. And so uh, thank you all for continuing listening. And uh, thank you to our Patreon donors, of course. If you want to support the show, best way to do it really is go on patreon.com. A dollar or more gets you all these bonus episodes that have never been on iTunes or our website or anywhere else. You can only get them by being a Patreon donor. And uh, you can watch my movies too. That's, that's up there, too. You get all these bonus episodes, but you get the entire Cody Clark filmography of Shredder and Rehearsals, two full feature-length movies that you can watch just for donating a dollar a month. That's incredible, right there, Carl? Hell yeah. I would love to watch the Cody Clark filmography. 
I'm still waiting to donate to Patreon because I'm still waiting for John to watch an anime. So, ah, yes. See? Yes. See, that was the whole thing. You go back and <laughs> listen to that episode on a previous Carl one. I forget which one. Uh, Carl was was definitely going to put money down just to get John D'Amico to watch an anime because John D'Amico does not like anime. Yeah, what's the one you wanted him to watch? Castle in the Sky, which yeah. is pretty like, it's kind of the quintessential Miyazaki. It's like, if you hate that movie, I, I can't help you. Like, that's all right. You don't like anime. I really don't go. think he'll <laughs> like it. I don't think he's going to like that one. Yeah, I was almost going to give him Nausicaa because like it's got cool bugs and shit. And like, that's more up his alley. Also, like we were talking about cool movies where there's like giant monsters that like fall apart, which has that in spades. And then I was like, no, there's like faded. It's got that faded 80s animation because they hadn't formed their own studio yet. Ah, so right. It's like that's going to be an immediate visual turnoff. Then that's the shit that he says he doesn't like. So uh, I went with Castle in the Sky. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's an all right choice. I just really don't think he's going to like any anime whatsoever. <laughs> I just don't have much hope for, for John D'Amico liking anime. But he put uh, down that money, though. Yeah. But yeah, out. he was, he, Carl was going to put put down actual money for this. Uh, but John just hasn't done it yet. And uh, if you donate $5 or more, of course, we'll shout you out on the podcast once a month. Donate $10. We shout you out every episode. We'll talk about whatever you got going on. And we got three different uh, entities that we plug every uh, every week because they donate $10 or more a month. And first of those entities is, of course, Room Full of Spoons. Now, have you seen this one yet, Carl? I have not seen it yet. Where can I see it? Well, you can go to roomfullofspoons.com. That's the place to go, and you got to find out when it's going to be playing near you. Now, you're, okay. in a, you're in a major city right there, Carl. Yeah. You're often nine uh, times out of ten. I'll look at these sort of things and it'll have already played because yeah. it always plays LA first. That's unfortunate, but who knows? Maybe maybe it hasn't played LA yet. I don't have that 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 open up on my computer. Maybe you can check that out. But I'm essentially, right anybody now. who wants to see this movie, which by the way, I should explain, this is a documentary about the room, the uh, Tommy Wiseau film, The Room. It's a very comprehensive documentary interviewing damn near everybody who is involved with this film. And you find out a lot about uh, Tommy Wiseau's background, but you also find out a lot about just the making of the film, stuff that you can't really find out anywhere else. This was all like, this isn't cold research. This isn't like them using sources that have already like found this stuff out. This is, this is them flying all over the world. My boy Rick Harper interviewing everybody who is, who is a part of the film and getting the stories straight from them. And you hear a lot of stuff that you really can't find anywhere else. Like I've, I learned so much from this movie. It's, it's a tremendous documentary. And uh, right now, of course, it's touring. So you can uh, write to Rick and be like, hey, bring it to my town. Or if you want to like do your own screening of it. If you, if you know like a cool theater near you, then maybe they'll play this. So maybe uh, write to Rick and be like, hey, I got this local theater. They've played The Room. Maybe they'll play this. And then maybe you can come to your town. You never know. But uh, we you can request it. You can uh, you can do that on the website. Uh, has it played uh, LA yet? I'm looking. It looks like it's only played or playing Canada so far. It, it's Doesn't... played all over the world, actually. They just got oh. back from Australia. 
I guess Canada is just what's coming up. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. But, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be back in L.A. and you can check yeah. that out. I feel like maybe they w they did play in L.A. now that I think of it. But, uh, man, it's it's a really good documentary. And uh, check that out, roomfullofspoons.com. And, of course, right up next, minorkeygames.com. Man, David and Kyle Pittman make some damn good games. You like video games, right, Carl? Hell Yeah. So why don't you play some of these these uh, these David and Kyle video games? These minor key games—they're very fun. Probably when next time I clean out whatever I've got on Steam already, I'm gonna go oh, look. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, these are good games. Oh, look, it's only eight dollars, dude. They're always having these weird ass deals where, like, I don't know how they make any money off of it at all. They had like that's that's all of Steam. There's always some crazy ass. Yeah, Steam dude. Sales. They had they had one of their games up for like a dollar the other day, like for like 24 hours. It was crazy. So you really got to check out the site Minor Key Games because you can get these really good games for only like a dollar or two. Super Win the Game. That one's my favorite. I would say start with that and also Neon Struct. That's really good. Man, these games are all good. I'm just looking at them right now. I'm like frothing at it's the a mouth. Metroidvania. I yeah, love man. Metroidvanias. I haven't played one of those in a while. Oh, I'm it's real play good. This soon. Real Hell good yeah. stuff. And uh, they just came out with Gunmetal Arcadia Zero. I haven't played that one yet, but I'm looking forward to it because Super Win the game took over my life. I was I was obsessed with that. And I think I was the first one to beat it on Steam, actually. And I see a skeleton in the background. It's all good stuff. You got skeletons, you got swords, you got jumping around, you got all sorts skeletons. of things happening. Yeah, skeletons. Skele you got skeletons, you got skeletons, you got skeletons, and you got more stuff. Penguin. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good stuff. So uh, Minor Key Games, David and Kyle Pittman, two brothers, twin brothers. They make games. They make good games. If you like games, check them out. And of course, last but not least. Skeletons. We, now, Skeletons do, does not is not a supporter the uh, of the podcast. Skeletons do not support the podcast. So we're not, pl we're not plugging the skeletons but i'll tell you who we are plugging jay brunner he's just a guy you know he's a, he's a one-man entity he ain't, he ain't got no movie he ain't got no company he's just a man his name is jay brunner he's at, at bobby slow on twitter and he's got a ton of followers people really like him and we like him and he's a supporter of the show he likes our show and uh let me read one of his tweets you should follow him on twitter it says uh what's this one Sir, I'm sorry that your craft beer sucked more than Prince dying. Is there anything I or my manager can do to make it up to you? It's just, he, you know, he posts <laughs> these like random tweets. <laughs> he, he's a fun guy. He's a, If you like that sort of thing, then uh, follow him and, uh, you know, give him a couple favorites and give him a couple retweets. He's a good guy and he likes the show and we like him. So Bobby Slow on Twitter, Jay Brunner, thank you for your kind donation. Now you were telling me, before we started rolling, you were telling me about this movie that you saw recently that you really dug, and then you started checking out the screenwriter's other stuff? Yeah. Um, so there's this movie that I heard about um, in the Through the Grapevine. It was called Wild in the Streets, which is a 1968 American international picture uh, film that was written as a satire uh, but it's real bad satire and it's really just more of like this goofy ass hippie panic movie. You know, it's like they, they find the statistic of like, you know, 50 something percent, you know, more than half of the country is people under 25. Oh no, they're all hippies. 
And then all these hippies band together to get the lo- voting age lowered to 14. And then they elect like a 17-year-old like rock star Jim Morrison type to be president. And then he institutes concentration camps for everyone over 30. Oh, man. And like they all have to – they're force-fed LSD and it's bananas. So it's, it's like a, so, you know, a hippie yeah. kind of quasi-wet dream, quasi-like nightmare, quasi – yeah. Just like, look at all this, like, free sex these awful hippies have. Like, look at how disrespectful they are to our nation's system of laws. Hmm. You know, they elect, like, a, a 17-year-old senator to get to push the voting bill through. And she just, like, shows up in a wacky hat and is like, I think maybe we should have the 14-year-olds to vote. And, like, all these stodgy senators are so mad. Um, yeah, that sounds like a weird one. Yeah. But so, is, it, um, is it worth seeing? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely worth a watch. It's just checking. Completely, yeah, it's super strange. And like there there just isn't another movie like it. All the all the like uh goofy hippie songs are just like hysterically bad. Like there's just the lyrics are just so funny. Is it like those bad ones where it's like written for the film? Yeah. Oh man. Absolutely. Oh, I love um, those. <laughs> Hell Holbrook is a, a senator. One of the one of the hippies is a young Richard Pryor. Ed Begley's another senator. Oh, wow. Ooh, it's fun. Um, and yeah, so, you, so you started chasing around the screenwriter. Yeah, not not initially by design. I was just like, well, that's a bizarre movie. I'll never see anything like. And then I was at the video store, and the two clerks were, like, talking about Shelley Winter movies, for, or Shelley Winters for some reason. And I, like, chimed in, like, hey, I just saw this movie where she does LSD and runs over a child. And one of the two guys was like, I love that movie. Here are two more by that screenwriter you need to check out. So I did check them out and watched them. And they were both, like, not quite as insane, but also, like... Of the three, watch Wild of the Streets first, and if you enjoy that, check out these other two. And what are those um, other two? There is the one he made right after, also for American International Pictures, that he also directed. The guy's name is Robert Tom, T-H-O-M. Hmm. And the second one is called Angel, Angel, Down We Go, also known as Cult of the Damned. Oh, I like that first title better. Yeah. Angel, Angel, nuts. Down We Go. That's That's enticing. It's more hippie terror, and it's um, Jennifer Jones. Holy was, shit. Yeah. Her first role after all those suicide attempts, Jennifer Jones. <laughs> Is that on the box and like a, with like an exclamation point? <laughs> no. But, oh, it's really depressing watching her because it's like very debasing role. Um, anyway, she and her husband have – they're rich, and they have this daughter that they like try to put up as a debutante, but she's like too fat for everybody's liking – um, so she's kind of like hated in the community and hated by her parents. And she's just like, you know, she just wants to be herself. And then there's this weird ass hippie dude named, I gotta look up his name, Bogart Peter Stuyvesant. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. He runs a band. That's a hell of a Roddy name. McDowell is one of his guys and his name is Santoro. And Roddy McDowell like really loves to drop the three letter F word a lot in the movie. It's pretty great. Hmm. Um, Anyway, she runs off with this hippie band, and they end up also being hardcore skydivers. And um, over the course of the movie, this fellow, Bogart Peter Stuyvesant, manages to bang not only this girl, but both of her parents. Uh, She gets Jennifer Jones to skydive at the end of the movie. This sounds like, yeah, if you you like weird 60s movies, this sounds like, it's almost like you mashed up like every weird 60s movie, and and that would be this one. 93 minutes. 
Um, and it's just like it's just like weird hippie terror movies. Just like look at these scary sex hippies. So weird. And yeah. so, what's the other one of his? Uh, that one came far later. Like that was well into the seventies, and it was directed by a fella named Matt. Kimber, I think was how he pronounced his name on the DVD. I'd never heard of him. I guess he's got a lot of respect as a low-budget guy. But it was a movie called The Witch Who Came From the Sea. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. I don't know too much about it, but that, sa- that title sounds familiar. It's like a, it's just like a crazy lady played by Millie Perkins who like uh, is killing like football stars and stuff. And like it's kind of interesting, but like it's I don't know. It's like too lurid to really work as a feminist movie. And then it's like too afraid of the feminine gaze to really work. Or like it's got too many interesting views on the feminine or the, the you, you know what I mean? The male yeah, yeah. The feminine gaze of the male body to like really be thrown off as sexist. So it's just fascinating in both respects. Um, I'm looking at his IMDb here now. It looks like the only movie he directed was uh angel angel down we yeah. go yeah that was his one and only but he he wrote a bunch of stuff he wrote uh death race 2000 oh yeah also that that is the big one that's a i mean <laughs> I that's a that's a cult classic people know yeah. about for sure but i i would have never known that like the rest of his uh his writing filmography had all these other weird ones in it you know yeah, I haven't seen that dude in the video store who like turned me on to it. I don't think he normally works around the day and time that I go in. So mm. I've been waiting for him to like pop up again. So I what's can, like, that? Uh, let's more. give a shout out to that video store because that was a pretty cool recommendation. And uh, oh, yeah. there aren't uh, too ma- there aren't too many video stores left. So uh, what, oh. what's that one? Cinephile Video in Los Angeles. Cine, you know, cine like cinema, but then file like uh, when you file away a paper. Ah, okay. Uh, they, they're responsible for those director t-shirts you see, you know, where it's like the director's name, but a heavy metal band. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those. That's them. That's those dudes. Yeah. You know, I I just went there Thursday and they'd put up some new posters in the window that were the witch themed. So it was like, you have like the old, uh, woodcut print of a black goat and it says, join today, live life deliciously. Nice. They just, they just got cool taste. Yeah. Sounds like a cool place. Got a great selection. Yeah, if I'm ever out on the West Coast, I'll definitely pop in there. The only bad thing is like that they're right by the 405, but like it's not. See, it's I don't even man- I don't even know what the 405 is. It's the worst freeway in Los Angeles. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you guys, so that stereotype is true. You West Coast uh, Californians are always talking about uh, on ramps and freeways and ways oh, to get to bad. places. Yep, it's because everything's. It's a combination of everything is so spread out. And so many of the highways were among the first ever built that they're really poorly designed. Mm. So it's just constant traffic. It's a nightmare. You get used to it. You That's learn rough. to start using the time in the car to like listen to audiobooks or <laughs> albums like I do. Or the smug film podcast. Oh, I listened to that at work. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I didn't I didn't realize you had specific things for specific times. Yeah. So uh, I saw some good stuff on Netflix recently because my whole my my mission now with Netflix, you know how people uh, people that have nothing in their inbox are called like inbox zero people. Mm-hmm. I'm an inbox zero person. I want to be a Netflix queue zero person. I've decided oh, because for the longest time I've had a Netflix queue with like 200, 300 goddamn things on it. But in the last month or so, I've been sort of like trying things for five minutes. Eh, nope, 
delete. Nah, this sucks too. Delete. I've been trying to get it down as low as possible. I think right now I'm at like 12 or 13 things, which it's I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's a really big step for me to go from like 200, 300 down to that. That, that took a lot of doing to the point where like, I just actively hated movies for like nights on end. <laughs> like, man, when you, when you go through that many bad movies in a row, like it just depresses you. Like there were nights where I was just like, "Oh man, life is garbage." Like, like it, Lewin it, Davis at the end, like "fuck all folk music." Yeah, it yeah. was it was rough, but uh, I'm really glad I did it because I just love the fact that I got like ten things on there. Here, I'll I'll, I'll name my entire queue because it's it. a, it's a short enough for me to name, and a lot of it's stuff. Uh, I think it's all stuff I've seen before, except for one thing, which I really I'm happy about now too. So I got I got the Mummy and the Mummy Returns on there. Hell yeah! Because I just wanted to see those again, but I haven't had time to watch those again yet. I have the Haunting remake, which I remember liking, but I haven't seen since I saw I it in theaters. I remember really liking it, but uh, I'll I'll give it a second watch. I'll see what I feel like about it. Uh, Five Elements Ninjas, which is one of my favorite uh, Shaw Brothers movies ever. I don't know if I you've seen that one. I think I've seen that one. I know I've heard that one's really... Is that the one where they're all wearing masks? No, that's uh, that's Five Deadly Venoms. That's okay. See, that one... I haven't one, seen either. That one's not that great. But this one, Five Elements Ninjas, is like one of the best ever. But okay. for some reason, doesn't get really talked about like uh, Deadly Venoms does. But man, it's so much better. Uh, I know also, out of what I've seen, I really liked... Uh, Wu-Tang and then um, Come Drink With Me. Come Drink With Me is wonderful, yeah. What was the last one? Super Inframan. Ooh, I don't think I've seen that one. Ooh, that one's good. Uh, I'll I'll do it really quick so you can go back to your queue. But it's basically the Shaw Brothers trying to do a Japanese kaiju movie. Oh, fuck yes. So, yeah, it's like all just awesome monsters. And there's like a crazy Chinese dragon lady princess as the villain. It fucking rules. I'm fucking down. No, that's, that's way up my alley. And uh, I also have on there, I have Breaking the Magician's Code, Magic's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed, which is a show I loved in like the late 90s. Did you ever see that show on Fox? No, but that sounds like a dope late 90s Fox show. (laughs) Well, that was such a great time for like these weird oddball shows. Like I'm a big uh, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction fan. I love that show. I don't know if you remember that one. It was the Jonathan Uh, Frakes hosted one. Where it was like, oh, an, yeah, okay. It was an anthology series where each episode it would be like five different stories instead of like, you know, Twilight Zone being one or like some anthology stuff. It's like three. It was like, now nah, we're doing five. So, like, it was these really quick stories that were like five or seven minutes each. And uh, you'd see five of them. And then at the end, you had to figure out which ones were based on like an actual event and which ones were ones that the, the writers just made up. What? It was fucking great. It was, I've seen every single episode because they play them on Chiller Chiller Channel on TV. So mm-hmm. like I, I would DVR them and I, I ended up actually being able to see all of them, luckily. And man, I love it because I, I love I'm a sucker for anthology shit. But the problem with a lot of anthology shit is like there'll be like a couple really bad ones. There'll be one that's great. Oh, yeah. But when they're like five or seven minutes each, even the really bad ones are pretty damn good just because like they're over so soon. Mm-hmm. So I really love that show. And and this was that kind of era where you had X-Files and that was doing really well. So like all these really cheap, shitty shows that were like kind of like tangentially 
like in the same ballpark would like either lead into X-Files or play after X-Files or fill some time here and there. So Breaking the Magician's Code was one of those where it's just, it, they're just basically just telling you how tricks are done, uh-huh. but in, in a warehouse too. It's, it's just like this abandoned warehouse where like <laughs> this masked magician who has his identity like hidden from uh, the audience and nobody knows who he is and He's just explaining okay. how tricks are done and he's just doing them. And it's just, it's one of those like fun shows to watch and it's, it doesn't demand much from you. You're just watching tricks done and then finding out how they're done. It, I love it. Cool. I, th- I think cool. it's great. So I wanted to see that again. So that's on there. Then I got Pokemon, Twilight yeah. Zone, Foils War, which is like this uh, murder mystery show, which I fucking adore. Uh, I can't say enough about that one. Michael Kitchen, the uh, the lead who plays... Foiled, Detective Foil. Great, great fucking show. Uh, the Wonder Years, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Goosebumps yeah. series, which I know yeah. you, you're you big on, and I've been watching a bunch of those lately. That's mm. fun. Then I have Bob Ross. That just went up on Netflix, his his painting oh, nice. show. And then I have... You know what's uh, fun to do? Wait, I've hold on. It. I got the one last one. And go then, for it. Go and for then it. do your point. And then I have The Sheik, the uh, Iron Sheik documentary, which I'll probably watch oh, tonight. Cool. That's the only thing on my queue that I haven't actually seen before. And I'm I'm really so fucking happy with my queue right now, dude. I love that it's like maybe 10, 12, whatever things. And it, it's just, it works for me. I'm happy. But yeah, what, what were you saying? Uh, what's fun to do is, because I used to do this when uh, there were just like illegal uh, episodes of Bob Ross up on Daily Motion. Mm. You just like pull open MS Paint in another window and follow along. <laughs> Dude, it's it comes out like not very good because you have these big thick computer brushes, but like it's still like somewhat resembles what he's painting, and it's that like oh, it's such like, a great a more idea. expressionist version. Like, oh it's man, a lot of fun. oh I'm yeah. gonna do that, dude. That yeah, sounds right. really fun. Oh shit, I like that idea a lot. And uh, so yeah, it's stuff that I've seen lately that has been good by going through like my crazy 200, 300 Netflix queue. First of all, the resurrection of Jake the Snake, which I watched last night. Are you a big wrestling guy or no? No, nothing against it. Like I just never, never grabbed my interest. That's all right. I, That's... I always like hearing the side stories. You know, all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, I like hearing about this. That. Is this is up your alley then, there, guy? All right. Jake the Snake was a big wrestler in like uh, the '80s, and he he kind of fell on hard times, and it's just him trying to make his life better again. And it's, you know, it's like a hour 40, whatever documentary. A lot of it kind of feels like as if it were like a show about getting wrestlers that were on hard times off of hard times and like reforming their lives and like getting them off drugs or whatever. It feels kind of like it would be like a celebrity rehab kind of show. But mm-hmm. it, it feels enough like a documentary that it doesn't feel too TV-ish, I guess. But there are parts that are kind of like that. But I, I thought it was really, really moving it's just a it's an amazingly sad kind of story to see this guy who's who's so big if you've ever heard of the wrestling move the ddt nope no well <laughs> maybe somebody listening at home knows what it is but that was his finishing move and now it's like that that's just a thing you see every time you turn on wrestling it's just a move that everybody does and he created it and he he was really big and he was really good at what he did and he just you know alcohol and drugs that's what does it but he turns his life around over the course of the film, and it's great to see. Oh, that's good. So that one was really, really great that cool. I checked out. And then this other one, which is like, oh, my God, like a fucking five-star 
you got to see this one in particular, guy, because we were talking about beauty, beautiful films just a little while ago with like Love and Friendship and how gorgeous that one was. Mm -hmm. This one easily one of the most beautiful looking uh, kids movies I've ever seen, which is like a really interesting category because like there are like a lot of beautiful kids movies, I feel like. Yeah, probably more so than like certain other genres. You can probably, you know, you can name like five or ten gorgeous kids movies uh, off the top of your head. Whereas like with other genres, there would be like a quick stutter or something. Yeah. It's just a very uh, good looking genre. And this is a French kids movie. It's called uh, Lou Journal in Theme. I think that's how it's pronounced. But it's about a little girl who uh, lives with her mom. And it's just this very like... Uh, I want to say it's kind of like uh, that movie Diary of a Teenage Girl, except like the uh, the drawing stuff and like the look of that film. I didn't really like too much. I like the performances in that film a lot, uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Um, and that's more of like an adult film. Like there's, you know, nudity and sexual situations and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's a similar type of film to uh, Lou. But uh, Lou is like a light years better film. Like so, so, so much better and just gorgeous. And like the little, because basically in Diary of a Teenage Girl, it's like a girl's drawings and journal entries and diary stuff like coming to life as she tells the mm -hmm. story about her life. In Lou, it's that same thing, but it's just done so much better. And it's just a more interesting story. And the thing that I really liked about Lou was that it's a kid's movie. It's like billed as a kid's movie. It's totally a kid's movie through and through. But people are dropping like F-bombs and saying shit like here and there. And it, it it's <laughs> oh, yeah. never like a thing of like, oh, is this for like adults? It's like, no, this is definitely like a movie for kids. They just don't give a shit, which I fucking love. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. That's like just a really cool thing. Because like on some level, I guess the filmmakers were like, yeah, we get it. Like it's not going to fuck up kids for them to hear this language, which is like a good like fuck you like French attitude to have about it, I think. <laughs> Uh, so I would I would recommend that really highly. I don't really need to say much about it. It's just like a girl who's like infatuated with like this boy next door and like she lives with her mom and that's all you need to know. Very, it's lot, French. Yeah, it's very, very French and very gorgeous. And I'm not a big Amelie person. I've never I never liked Amelie. Did you like that one? I love Amelie. All right. Well, you are yeah. going to you're going to love Lou. Cause I'm, I was never an Amelie person, but this, uh -huh. this is like my Amelie, I would say okay. Okay. this this is my, uh, if, if I had an Amelie, this is the Amelie for me. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what a person who does have an Amelie thinks about it. So yeah, those are my picks, man. That's a, this is a dense episode. We got a lot of stuff for uh, listeners at home to check out, right? Yeah. Just watch every single thing and call in to the voicemail. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Watch every single thing and then call. And, you know, you can tweet at Carl. You can tell Carl yeah. what you thought of stuff. You can tell me what you thought of stuff. We want to know. We want to find out. But, of course, call the voicemail, 718-395-9711, and uh, tell us what you thought of uh, some of these movies that uh, maybe you check out. Because, God, we named a lot, dude. Yeah. Anybody listening at home, I always hope that like people that listen at home, they got like a little notepad next to them where they just jot stuff down. I always like doing that when I'm listening to a podcast and I hear something interesting. And I would feel so flattered if people did that with uh, listening to me and the, the various people on the uh, Smug Film podcast. You ever Have you ever done that when you've listened to the show? 
I don't know if I've ever written anything down, but I've definitely, you know, there's stuff that it's like, oh, I've been meaning to check that out. Or, that sounds awesome. And then I'll come across it somewhere else and check it out. Uh, well, just, watched, just for me, you know, in the future, yeah. just, a, just a little notepad or something. I just, I just want that image in my head of somebody listening to my voice and jotting something down on a notepad. Yeah. It's just a, I promise I will do that. And then I'm going to send you an image of that notepad and it's going to be a little drawing of a hand giving you the finger. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, that's see that, yeah. that hurts me. <laughs> that hurts me They hear that, you know, you know, I bring you on the show many times and this is this is how you repay me with a yes with a middle finger drawn and sent you have to earn my love oh okay all right so carl thank you once again for stepping in and saving the day and i'm sure the listeners at home are like thank you carl because uh we would have we would have missed a week we would have you know it was it was down to the wire really i hope i hope greg's okay he's dead he's gone yeah let it go see i wanted the purge I, i wanted to have hope and you just you just dashed my hope, but I know you're right. I know you're right about this. I know he's gone. And if he is in that like outer Detroit area, he might have also got eaten up by the It Follows monster. That's where that thing roams. What so. what monster is this? It Follows. Oh yeah. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, yeah, that was an outer Detroit. So. Okay, so it's plausible. Yeah. Plausible. Okay. Well, hopefully that didn't. Ha- I hope he had like a pure death. I hope it was just like. You know, not like a, a monster <laughs> eating death, just like a, like a, I don't know. I don't, what is a pure death? Pure death in the purge, I guess. Uh, just drive a car into a building and the car explodes. Yeah, that's, that's what I would hope for him. I hope that that was how he went out. We hope you exploded, Greg. Yeah, hope you exploded. Hope you're not being ripped to shreds by a, a monster right now. All right. Thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>